Hey friends, this is your friend Kyle Coleman, and I want to welcome you to Are We Still Friends, the podcast where I dig into the brains of fascinating friends. Oftentimes I haven't gotten to catch up with these friends in a while, and like we all do, I sometimes wonder, are we still friends? Mike Vaughn is a working actor, dabbling producer, and full-time narcissist. He's got some credits and getting older, so he's looking at other acting venues and ventures, like facilitating the only loop group outside of LA on the West Coast, as far as he knows. You can hear Mike as the voice of the killer in Scream the TV series, as Peter Parker slash Spider-Man in the video game Spider-Man Web of Shadows, and many, many more. Check out his IMDb for the full list. I've had the first three recordings I've done have all been improv people, so I was like so happy to have somebody that's not an improv. I mean, oh, I, I that's know you a do good improv, thing. but... I've done improv. You've done improv. I've trained in it. But you are not just... That's not the only way I know you. I'd it's, like to do improv in Portland. Yeah? I don't know how to break away and still do the other limited things I can break away for, sure. like Revolut. I don't know. Yeah. Like I'd like to. But then also, I remember I was already kind of the old guy even... 10 years ago yeah. when I did it, it's, you know, it's and feeling pretty... like, wow, you don't get my references. I'm not so sure about yours. Mm. Oh man. It was tough. It was tough to come down and we had, I think we had their mom, they were twin boys and their mom drove them. They were homeschooled twin boys, I think 14 years old in UCB class. Ooh. That was tough. To play with them. That yeah. was tough. Yeah, and that's no fault on them. That's me. Sure. That's me being an asshole. Like, I should have been in much more, but I was just so done with L.A. and bitter and jaded at that point. I was just like, ugh. Yeah. God. So are you originally from L.A.? or No, I spent 10 years there. I um born in Colorado, moved to Germany in seventh grade, uh, stayed there, graduated high school, went back to Colorado for college, graduated... Then got uh, engaged. She got into medical school, went to Portland, got divorced, left for L.A., and then did L.A. 07 to 17, and got married, had a kid, and said, mm, not doing L.A. with a kid. Not going to happen. What was the big reason for no kid in L.A.? One day, I was out walking him in the stroller. He was less than one years old, so yeah. we moved when he was one years old. So somewhere between, I don't know, six months and eight months or somewhere in there, we had to take him on a lot of walks because he was constantly crying. And uh, I had him in the stroller. And I pull, I I got to an intersection. We lived in Highland Park in LA, which hip and getting gentrified like crazy. And a uh, car almost came onto the sidewalk and hit the stroller Ooh. at a busy intersection. I'm like, oh, fuck. Walk, shake it off, walk further. Car pulls out of a driveway way fast and nicks the stroller. And I'm like, that was the moment I looked up at Mount Washington and just said, fuck it, I'm done. I'm done with LA. I'm fucking done. And I'm just like, nope. And I told my wife, I go, I'm done. Yeah. I did my 10 years. I got my agents. I'm good. And then I went to my agent's office and they said, they said, well, you'll still be with us, right? I was like, yeah. So kept everything the same, moved up here, doing everything from home. And then COVID helped immensely. That sealed the deal. Everything from home, including on camera. Right. So it was one of the best decisions I ever made because a few years later, here comes COVID. Five years later, here comes COVID. We would, I would not be alive if we were in the 1,100-square-foot house we had in L.A. I don't know how anybody survived a small neighborhood, a small house in L.A. I don't know how. How. You couldn't go outside. I mean, just like, forget it. 
So no, it was just like time to go. And we looked at selling and going to another neighborhood in LA. And it was at the time we sold for a lot of money, which meant you had to buy for a lot of money. I'm like, can't do it. Can't do it. We would have gone to a smaller house. So I was just like, nope, we're out. That was the one thing that I convinced uh, Megan, my wife, uh, and I won. I was like, nope, we're going to Portland. And she she was not happy about it. <laughs> what was her, her hesitation? On she wanted to stay in LA. Her oh, business yeah. was doing well. And I'm like, I can't. I can't. I'm going to. My dream was to work in LA and live up in the Pacific Northwest. And my dream pretty much came true, minus the private jet right. flying back and forth. It's not too late. Got a coach, but I'm okay. <laughs> yeah. And then for, for a while, right before COVID, I was flying down there all the time. Like once, twice a month for gigs. Wow. And I was just like, fine, this is great. Yeah. I'll, I'll suck up the $300 loss. I don't care. This is great. It's a cheap enough flight. And if you're getting paid to do it, cool. Yeah, it's worth it. It's yeah. worth it. How did you find yeah. me? The original place I saw you was on one of the Facebook groups, maybe like the Portland Acting Group where you had posted and said, I'm starting this this voiceover group. I posted to every group there was. Yeah. I'm sure that's annoying. <laughs> yeah, it worked. I, I found it. Uh, it was, I had been going through a little bit of voiceover training. Do you know Leslie Bailey by any chance? I've heard the name. Yeah. I've heard the name. So I trained yeah. with her for like, you know, eight sessions or whatever, did like the package deal thing and then recorded my uh, demo with Mark Rose, if you know him. Oh, I love Mark Rose. Yeah. Oh my God. Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah so yeah. I went to his studio, did that. Yeah. Um, and then I was like, great, I've got a demo. Now what do I do? Yeah. And it was just around that time, I think, that you posted. And I was like, great, here's an opportunity no, for okay. me to like get in and start learning more and doing more and, and also something a little different. And Okay, two questions yes. for you then. Did you do Mark Rose's podcast? The uh, No, I didn't. What do they call that podcast? I better the tell you. Fusebox. Fusebox. There it is. Good job. Yes. yes. Reach out to him. Tell me you want to be on it. Okay. He's not always says you'd be great. Okay. Yeah. I would love um, to. And then what's a young guy like you doing on Fucking Facebook. <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah, no kidding. Uh, I'm pretty much <laughs> off these days. I really, the only reason I go on is to check the, the like the acting groups and if there's any kind of job posting, which there never is. But I was really using it because of improv. Like that was the main reason I stayed on okay. was that all the communication for the theaters was being done through Facebook, Facebook. at the time. That yeah. surprises me because young, these the improv and acting and even voiceover to some degree, the new the new blood is the new blood. Like that's that's what's needed, right? And you guys are being forced onto Facebook. There's no other. Yeah. So you guys aren't on Discord or no. Tinder or Bumble or right. all on there. <laughs> like, what? like I had this question with somebody because I'm like, I really could use some younger people to join us in Rebel Loop, right? And I'm like, where are the actors? Mm -hmm. And this marketing expert, he's like, he's like, I, I don't know. I don't know. He goes, they may be lost. They may be out there. And it sounds like because the people that run these things are my age, they go to. Ugh, ugh, Facebook. And yep. That's why I moved it over to Slack. I just couldn't take it anymore. But that's locked down, so it's like, how do I lure them in? Yeah, there is a like a Portland improv community Discord starting up. Okay. And sort of getting going. So I can get you details on that. Yeah. Because that would be a, a place to start looking for people. That's more of the Yeah. I, I have to say I used I used improv to train. Yeah. And I got into a theatrical improv troupe, which yes, is as bad as it sounds. And I was probably the youngest member at the time when I was in it. And my my now wife, my girlfriend at the time, was so mad that I wouldn't invite her to these shows. And I had a different agenda. My agenda was not to be seen and, and you know, sell tickets and make the performance. My thing was just train, right? Because, A, I don't think I'm that good at it. 
But then I realized too, I had I did have some friends come to my shows. I could see the horrified look on their face at the time. It's just like, yeah, you don't, you know, baseball players don't invite people to their training. You know what I mean? And that's, and inviting your friends to an improv show, that's a great way to lose that friend. So like, and I do have people I need to get rid of, right? Because they just absorb too much of my time. So that's another reason why I should probably do improv and just constantly berate them with like, hey, come to my show. Right. Come to my show. Hey, come to my show. I can't hang out if you need to find me, I'm at the theater. <laughs> right? Yeah, exactly. Don't forget to pay the cover. Right. Yeah, no. I, <laughs> I would like to do improv. I'm just feeling aged out. and uh, time, time is an issue. I got a, I got a little over one-year-old kid now in addition to the five-year-old. And I'm just like, what the fuck have I done? It's too much. So how long have you been doing voiceover work then? Man, too long <laughs> uh i never wanted to be an actor i never really thought my voice was any good nobody ever said to me oh you should do voiceover work really nobody ever said that to me nobody ever said you should be acting never ever 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 um what happened was it was 19 must have been 1996 or 97 and i'm a writer producer for j walter thompson on the ford the automotive ford accounts which was tier two advertising. It was your group of dealers. So a bunch of dealers in a region got together, paid money and made ads that took the big Ford ads elements, right? And then said, see your Northwest Ford store, you know, see your Northwest Ford dealers at the end of it or whatever. Um, and so our job was to sort of merge the two and make ads that worked. And I was a writer produced, a writer broadcast producer. And I, they made me radio boy for some reason. I almost, I did a lot of the radio spots and I don't know why they just did. They, they saw something in me like, okay, he gets radio. Okay, fine. So I did a lot of radio and, uh, so I had a lot of experience directing talent and we never auditioned anybody. We had a wall full of cassette demos and then eventually a couple CDs would pop in, but we would just take the cassettes based on what we were writing and be like, who sounds good for this? And then their reputations preceded them. Oh, Stephen St. James, you mean Sleepy St. James? The guy, like, slept in, I guess, on two gigs and missed him or something. <laughs> so it was everybody's reputation. I pulled this cassette down, and it was Maggie Roswell. And it had a Simpsons character on it. I'm like, no way. That No, it was her. She lived in Denver. She would fly... So all the creatives are talking to each other. Oh, yeah, Maggie's great. She flies to L.A. for the Simpsons gig and then comes back and has ISDN and all that stuff, too. Fuck, yeah, I'm booking her on these spots I have for the Kansas City Metro Dealers, plus a few other things, right? And they're TV spots. No, 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 these were radio. Sorry, these were radio. They were 30-second radio. So I wrote these Gen X spots, right? Uh, I went to my Ford store, and I needed this, and da 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 and she gets in there, and she's nice as hell. I'm in this little studio with this engineer named Mike Pfeiffer, and um, I forget what it was called, digital something. And uh, she gets in there, and she's she's really, really nice, but she's also very, very actory, like very outgoing and you know, going a mile a minute, which is great. We do the spot, and she's kind of bigger than I want her to be. And I did the one thing you're never supposed to do to talent. And I'm I'm only in the business like a few years at this point. I didn't know. I'm in Denver. I'm a regional jackass. I line read her. <gasps> you're never supposed to line read actors. And I didn't know that. And I go, Maggie, 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 that's all great. Uh, but could you just read it like this? And I read the whole 
spot as I wrote it, you know, because it was written in my voice. And she goes, oh, okay. And she did it. And like, Thank you. All right. See you on your way. And the engineer turns to me and goes, you know, you got that Gen X voice thing down. And I go, yeah, but I hate the sound of my own voice. And he goes, see that contract you just had her sign? Yeah, that's what she made, right? Yeah, a couple, couple grand or whatever like that. He goes, yeah, now multiply that by the 12 dubs I got to make. I went, what? Yeah, this is not going to a few markets. This is going to 12. I went, that times 12? He goes, yeah. Okay, let's come make a demo. <laughs> so the next time I was in there, I read three of my own scripts, and he handed me a cassette and a dat, dat master, and I moved to Portland shortly after that. And I was working at a .com. I was a writer for a .com, the 800.com. You know, whole website and marketing and the whole thing. And I go, who's the best agent in town? Oh, Q6. Q6 is the best agent in town. Oh, my God, they're just around the corner here in the Pearl District, which was not the Pearl District yet. Okay, all right. So I just took my cassette on on a Sunday afternoon. I was in there for work on a, on a weekend. Yeah, fuck, I'll just slide my cassette under the door. Monday morning. Is this Mike Vaughn? Come in here right now. This is Dennis. Come right in right now. Okay. Sign here. <laughs> wow. Okay. We need young voices. What is your, what do you think is going to happen to you? And I go, I don't know. This is just fun. Oh my God, a perfect attitude too. <laughs> Got him, yes. <laughs> I go, okay. So I would go from my job a few blocks away, go take a break and go record an audition onto cassette, which is how they did it back then and I booked nothing for a year and I didn't care it was fun just to go like your attitude it was fun just to go in and be like oh, oh what would happen if I erase that guy's oh, I won't do that okay let's just level out of that okay here we go ah, spit it out and I wasn't booking and the agent even at that time like they actually listened to your stuff and he gave me some advice he's like well just picture it in your head and do this and do that next thing I know I booked something Mary McDonald Lewis booked me on my first paid gig which was a suicide hotline, two people talking about somebody who had just died. So went to a studio, recorded it. Oh, booked, booked that one. Booked another thing, booked another thing. Found a audio guy, Tim Underwood, out in Bend, Oregon. He added me to his talent roster. Then a Seattle person added me. Then a Denver person. Now I've got five agents. Oh, shit, I better get this website in line. Got my first website going. Oh, my God, this is all sort of happening. At one point by 2004, three three or four i had multiple agents it was a third of my income writing producing was my other third uh or producing was a third and writing was the other third so those are my three kind of revenue streams and i was totally freelance totally on my own at this point and i get this call one day from the guy in bent uh tim underwood he says i know a guy can i refer you to him sure this guy calls me hey this is laszlo with rockstar games you want to be in grand theft autos uh what was it? Grand Theft Auto San Andreas. Wow. I said, uh, yeah, because I'd been playing Vice City. I'm like, yeah. And uh, he goes, all right, um, we're rolling. What? He recorded me on the phone right then and there. And he says, say these lines. And after like two, three passes, done. And I was in Rockstar. Wow. And I started doing theater. I started playing around with some improv classes. I was just dicking around in Portland. And then finally I said, Fuck it, my my cat just died. My house could be rented for what my mortgage was. All right, I'm going to L.A. Went to L.A. early 2007. Got an agent right away. Full-time actor by 2008. Wow. And that's how I got 
and I just went from there and then on camera started happening more and more and more. And so, and then I, I didn't take many voiceover classes. I took, I took theatrical acting classes and then did UCB. First I did Groundlings, mm -hmm. then I did UCB and I could not break the, once you hit sort of like either intermediate or advanced or the graduation and your next thing is the writing and the performance classes. I was like, nah, I'm good. <laughs> I was like, I had no interest in right. doing that full time. Although that's how you get work apparently. But yeah, I just couldn't, I couldn't do it. That's too much. That's, so that's wild. That's my story. And then said, okay, enough of LA told that story, get the kid up here so he can run in the street and I can <laughs> not get killed too badly. <laughs> At least they go 20 miles. An and hour, school, yeah. the schools. Oh my yeah. God. Yeah. We paid a little too much for our house just because of the school district it was in. Cause I do not want to pay. I do not want to pay for school on top of everything else. So, yeah. So I, it was funny. I was talking to somebody the other day about, uh, I was actually, I was subbing and I was teaching a choir class, which... Do you know how to sing? No. So why the hell were you not. teaching choir? Oh, they just give you busy work and then you got Pretty it? Pretty much. Okay. So I was I do know the drama teacher at Tualatin High School through the theater, and I've subbed for her a couple of times, so I've gotten to do full days of teaching theater, which is okay. amazing. She She's a performer, too? Yes. The thing? Oh, very cool. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, she's That's awesome. a good teacher. She's awesome. Nice. Yeah, knows her stuff, you know, background in theater, has been doing this uh, teaching for 20 years, I think. Uh, just fantastic person. Jen Hunter should get you in touch with her, because I'm sure she could get you performers from the high school we yeah we used claire verity up in battlegrounds so we got jonah oh yeah yeah he's awesome yes yeah 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 and there out. are some great kids in those classes yeah i never even considered it but this is why we talk kids are great they have no fear yeah so <laughs> I'll, I'll get you some some info on them but um i was in her office one day about the sub for and she got a call that the choir teacher got covid and was out for the week <laughs> And she turns to me and she's like, do you want to teach choir? And I was like, oh on Thursday? And I was like, sure, why not? Yeah. So I go, I show up and it was, it was the easiest day I've had so far because there are kids that want to be there. This yeah. is their love. Yeah. This is what they want yeah. to do. And so I show up and I pour yourself a cocktail, sit in a yeah. lounge chair and go sing me a song. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that was a hundred percent it. I wish I could have snuck in a it. flask or something, but, uh, it was, I, I, I introduced the class and I was like, I don't know shit about singing. I'm going to trust all of you do. Whatever you need from me, let me know. I will bet significant money you didn't actually say shit. I said it to one of them. I said shit. You did? Yeah. <gasps> You're breaking your nice guy mold. Oh I, my God. I'm trying to branch this is great. out. Yeah. Uh, and, and of course, you know, I want to seem cool to the kids. So if I can, you know, uh. drop a shit here and there, <laughs> then they're going to be like, oh, this guy's a cool sub. Uh, so... So they, um, they ended up just singing the whole time, just practicing. I just operated the computer and would start the, the track for them. And they were singing all kinds of different... I wish I could remember the songs they were doing, but I have ABBA stuck in my head right now, so that's all I can think of. <laughs> I watched the Mamma Mia that's an ear That's an earworm. That's yeah. That's an earworm. Oh, my God. They're oh. so catchy. Okay. Um, but it was, it was such a fun day. I don't remember why I was telling you about this. Um, oh, I know what it was. So I end of the day, I have a prep period, and there's a teacher assistant, and he's in the class, and him and I start talking. He's one of the students. All right. And he's talking about, you know, what do you do when you're not teaching? And I was like, well, I do some voiceover stuff. I do, you know, because I was, I think I had an audition the night before and I was excited about doing it and 
talking to him about that. And he was asking me if I knew different people, different things. And he asked who you were because I told him I was doing this this loop group. Okay. And and he goes, Mike Vaughn, I, I don't know if I know him. And he Googles you and he's like, oh my God, I know him from so many things. And just because he was a big gamer. Oh. And so he was like, wait, Spider-Man? And he's like, that is the be- one of my favorite games. I can't believe you work oh with the person God. who does that. So it was just a cool little, you know, small world moment of like... That's funny. Yeah. That's funny. Do you get that a lot? I mean, do people, once they figure out who you are, they're like, oh shit, I know you. I, I remember hearing you in this or... I don't know. I mean, we go out so little now. I mean... Yeah. No. I, you know, no. Nobody knows who I am. It has to be explained. So like the Spider-Man thing... When that game came out, it was reviewed like almost every other Spider-Man game, which was piece of shit. Every, thumbs down. The critics hated it. The fans hated it. Nobody, nobody likes it. That that started. It's been every Spider-Man game except for the most recent ones. So it's been like one, two, and three, and then Web of Shadows, which is the one I was on in two thousand eight. You know, basically panned. Well, that's been two thousand eight. Now it's two thousand twenty-two and twenty-two, and I get these uh, messages. Uh, on my Instagram in the DMs, right? And I swear to God, like at least a handful a quarter. You know, I get a good good chunk of these a year. It's uh, Mr. Vaughn, you you saved my life as a child in Spider Man. My dad gave me a copy of this game, and it was really rough growing up. And I played it so much, and I loved it. And so what happened was now that game is nostalgia because the kids that actually did play it and review it weren't the upper teens and 20-somethings criticizing stuff, it was the 10-year-olds that were playing it that loved it. And now they're 20-plus something, and now they've got all this nostalgia. And so I get hit with, like, thanks for this, thanks for that. And I go, yeah, thanks for making me feel even older than I am. Like, fuck, (laughs) now I'm nostalgia already. So that'll happen. And then the game stuff, I I don't know. Because, like, I don't even know what I'm on. That's the God's honest truth. They, they, Spider-Man was the one time I got an actual script and I could keep it for two nights before the gig and that was it. Then I had to give it back. 600 pages. I skimmed it. I was like, fuck. Games are big. But mostly you show up, you don't even know what game you're on. So it's all code, code words. You have no idea and you can't even cross-reference the code word. Like that industry is locked down. It's crazy. You don't know what you're on. And I've done gigs where I left and I still didn't know what I was on. I know the basic genre, like, oh, I did zombie voices the whole time and ripped my fucking voice out of my neck and like, you know, an hour of that maybe at the most. And everybody's so nice. They're all concerned about your voice and all that. Or I'm screaming sort of mid, mid-Atlantic uh, Lord of the Rings sort of phrases and that sort of thing. Or it's just straight military grenade. I'm not going to yell and blow out your mic, but it's basically like, what am I on here? You know? And just recently, some, my agent sent me a thing and said, okay, you can now talk about this game. It's Lost Ark. I'm like, what the fuck is Lost Ark? <laughs> I have no idea what it is. Or, okay, you're on Genshin Impact. Or I go to my IMDB. And it's like, oh, I guess I was working on Call of Duty. No idea. Oh, guess I was working on Back for Blood. Had no idea. Wow. They'd show up and then you know. And then nobody from the game marketing department or PR department hits you up. They never, not me anyway, because they probably look at my profile and go, ew. Um, but I've never been hit up to be like, will you help promote? Will you do this? Will you do that? In fact, even with Spider-Man, 
You got time for another quick boring oh, story? Take as much time as you want. I went down I went down with a person to help me with PR, my best friend, and some other friends to tag along. We were all just gonna meet at Comic Con two thousand eight and just see what it's about. And because I'm on Spider Man, Web of Shadows, what the fuck it was its release was there. And I never got invited. Never got an official invite. I'm 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 just gonna fucking go. And you were Peter Parker Spider Man. You were I was the you voice were the lead. Up. I was the voice up. Nobody cared. I'm like, okay. Because the game wasn't out yet. They were, they were releasing it, so nobody cared. They were just like, eh, whatever. So I go there, and me and my friend Brian are walking through the halls, and we're like, yeah, this is nice. Where's the beer tent? Where do we get beer? And this kid goes, oh, there's no beer here. you got to go across the street to the hotel, and they got, they've got they got a bar. Okay, so we go across the thing. We're sitting there, and it's we're, like, hardly anybody there. So we're like, oh, this is so much better. you know. And we're also going to play some golf the next day and like just have fun in San Diego. And I look over, and literally the next booth over is Stanley. And I'm like, oh, fuck. So I see him get up and go get a drink. I go up and get a drink. And I go, uh, his his drink's on my tab. And he goes, well, who are you? I go, I'm, I'm the voice of Spider-Man on your game that you're here to promote, I assume. And he goes, oh, Web of Shadows, yeah. So you're, I'll see you at the release party tonight. I go, no, <laughs> nobody gave me an invite. He goes, oh, well, it's at the Hard Rock. Just go. Okay. So, shake hands, say hi, that was that. I show up at the thing with a small little entourage. And the people at the elevator, they let you in at the elevator. Like, you're who? Big, like, bullshit look on their face. Like, fuck off. And then the woman is with Heather. She gets on her phone, pulls up the IMDB page and goes, <clears throat> and they go, oh my God, it is him. Okay, let him up, let him up, let him up, let him up. So I, I go up, free champagne, the whole thing. Like we're just, And they have, they have games out in the booths that you can play. And the game looks terrible. <laughs> it, it doesn't look terrible, but it's like nobody's playing it. You know, just being social. So Stan Lee's there, say, hey, thanks for the heads up and all that. But it was clear that Activision, the developers and the PR, they, they did not talk. They didn't talk to each other because it's like, you know, like, why wouldn't you ask somebody to help promote it? I don't know. Am I that unlikable? I mean, yeah. Okay, you're shaking your head. Yeah. Yes, okay. <laughs> um, so so then we got invited to a bunch of other parties. Um, the Yahoo release party for Spider-Man Web of Shadows. An Activision party. So the whole weekend was parties, and it was like a really bad episode of Entourage. It was just like us ah, doing our shit in these booths. So that was probably the highlight of my, you know, my moment of fame or whatever but the game was not reviewed well it got like three out of five stars or two and a half out of five stars it was not worth it and now everybody's like oh that was the best game ever oh so any of you actors out there that get your jobs panned just remember give it five to ten years it'll be great you'll be nostalgic (laughs) but i don't know what i'm working on i've got two projects now that i get called up on i have no idea what they are no idea wow no idea. Is that just in the interest of being secretive and not mm-hmm. letting leaks out and things like that? Secretive in time because they're bringing in hundred or more actors to fill out all these roles, and you get a spreadsheet, and you're reading off the spreadsheet, and they're correcting the spreadsheet, and sometimes you got to look at a picture and match what's on the you know the file and all that stuff. But no, it, it's speed and uh, and yeah, their their privacy lockdowns for sure, mm-hmm. for sure. It's a weird industry. That's what I've heard. Weird industry. Yeah. But they're fun to play sometimes. I would kill to be in a video. If I can get in a video game, I'll feel like I've made it. 
You could. Just anything. You could. Okay. Bob Bob gets we have a shared agent, everybody listening in Seattle, and he's he's doing great. Uh still climbing his way up the, the hill, but he's he's getting game auditions that a lot of other agents don't get. So it's it's happening slowly. Cool. So it's yeah. just a matter of time. Oh my god, this whole acting journey is just time. That's all it is. Yeah. Yeah. That's all it is. I know. I was starting, because I've been with Bob now since February. Oh my God, you're a baby. I'm a baby. But <laughs> I was starting to get to the point, because I've, I've done a few auditions now, just a handful of them, and I was like, am I doing something wrong? I'm not getting any, but it's just... Do you know what the booking ratios are for on-camera and voiceover? No idea. And there's 20 different genres of voiceover that have their own booking ratios, True. too. So, on-camera, back in the day before all the shit that we're going through now, was typically known as like 20% on average. I mean, actors will go years without booking anything and then all of a sudden book everything. Or maybe never book anything. Or you book your first time out. Like, the stats are all over the place. But in general, actors found that, you know, you get called in for 100 over half a year or whatever, you're probably going to book 20 or so gigs, depending on what it is. That seems sort of reasonable. Well, those things have dropped now because the reach has gotten so much easier to find what they really want. So you have more competitors. So that that has dropped. I don't really know to what what extent because we're all at home now. So I don't know what the real stat is. I would imagine it's down to 5-10% depending on what you're auditioning. Voiceover, 5% was its best, was the peak. 5 Now it's less than 1%. Less than 1% odds of booking a new voiceover job. And it's only going down. It's so unbelievably, it's such a volume game. But to play at that volume game, you still got to be trained, ready to go, prepared, pro. You still got to be good and then play the lottery. To me, voiceover, voiceover auditions are my day job. And it's playing the lottery. It's like, hey, I'm going to do my job. I'm going to do my best. If you like it, great. If you don't, great. <laughs> and move on. That's why I married a therapist. It's like, I, it's it. you will go through on-camera improv everything. You'll go through times of like, oh, nobody loves me. And then you'll have a moment of like, I'm unstoppable. Fuck you. I'm, you know, I'm king of the world. So it's, yeah. I've had a really, since COVID really low booking ratio but i've kept myself afloat with some other acting things so but it's it's scary yeah it's scary but you don't have to go to a cubicle on monday morning oh my god it's my dream i mean that's part of the reason i started doing the substitute (laughs) teaching was i can wake up in the morning and go nah i don't want to work today i want to work on other things (laughs) is that how it works you like you like tell them i'm available not available it's like uber yes Oh my God, yeah. really? So I worked a half day today because I knew we were doing this. So I just worked in the morning. I found And you a, were done. And then I was done at 11.30 and I was like, great, I'm done for the day. And wow. uh, so there's an app and it just alerts you and says, we got opportunities. This teacher at this school, this classroom needs, you know, a full day coverage. So Do you want it? modern and efficient. It's so cool. That's yeah. awesome. So I just hit book job and then I'm, I'm on the schedule. Oh and that's it. Oh my God. And then I show up and they give me, you know, a couple pages of lesson plans and a computer and they say, there's your room. And just like acting, no health insurance. <laughs> they actually, they do have some insurance. Uh, they do? You yes. get some? Yes. Oh my God. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Shit. Life insurance as well and couple of different things so it's actually it's decent it's all handled through a third party the substituting so i i, uh, I just work tiger 12 so they get their district. cut Arr. exactly 
Yeah, they're they're my agent. Oh, that's Tiger. What what county is it out here? Washington County. Washington County. Yeah. So I bet Multnomah County is like done with pigeons and stones and rocks and yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if I've heard anything about the Portland public school system, yeah, it's, uh, not good things. Yeah, yeah. Nah, I'm I'm good with it. My kid will love it. Yeah. We're in the hip. We're in the hipster part. You're Beverly a, Cleary District. You're in a good spot. We're in a good spot. Yeah. We'll see. Okay. So I like to finish this with two things. Okay. Um, one is if you can teach me something, you've taught me so much already, just in in talking, but in our in our work together. But if you have anything off the top of your head that we could do as just a like little kind of demo of of something you do, like teach me to uh, do a line or some you know something like that you want to be in video games let's do a video game session. let's do a video game session let's do a video game session okay. i'll even pull up a video game script and just read the lines to you perfect let's do that you're gonna do this line three different ways all right and i mean three genuinely different ways okay. here's your line and how exactly are we supposed to stay safe behind this and how exactly are we supposed to stay safe behind this give me three different variants of that and how exactly are we supposed to stay safe behind this? And how exactly do we stay safe behind this? And how exactly do we stay safe behind this? All right, do it again three different ways, but I said different ways. They were too close. They were all the same. They were all the same. You just played with the words. You just went, yeah, you just, I'm going to emphasis. emphasize this word and then that word. So in an audition, yeah. right, you get your chance to do it a different way. You got to pick a different set of circumstances, different emotions, different person you're talking to, different agenda, that's your opportunity. When you're in session, it's going to be much closer in your in, in your choices, right? Because they will establish where you are, who you're talking to, what do you want. So naturally, they're going to be close to each other, not in an audition. And in video games, do you see any context to that line? It's just the fucking line, right? So you could do it a thousand different ways. So I'll tell you this too. This video game, you're a soldier. You're an American soldier uh, in the 80s. Okay. All right. Now let's see what you got. All right. Three different ways. And how exactly are we supposed to stay safe behind this? And how exactly are we supposed to stay safe behind this? And how exactly are we supposed to stay safe behind this? So much better. So, yeah, you took my direction, right? Um, I would say still, there's still a little too much performative acting you're taking your time yeah. and how exactly are we supposed to stay safe behind this how exactly are we supposed to stay safe behind this how exactly are we supposed to stay safe behind this so for audition purposes that's kind of so the third one i was pissed the second one i'm chummy buddy with my buddy and i'm doing a lot more in my head i've set up the barrier i've set up where i am i'm doing all that in my head all that stuff just comes to you after years of doing this. First one, I don't remember what my choices were. But you decide very quickly in a game, who am I? Where am I? What do I want? How far away are they? What do I smell? What do I see? You know, what do I need? Who's in my way? You make all those actor choices along with the five seconds that they set you up with. So the director will say, okay, this is actually the direction I got for that line. Uh, this is a crumbling wall next to a farmhouse, and you've been told to stay there. And so you're not a grunt, but you're not the the um, sergeant either. So they've already established my character. And you are sometimes the jovial guy, um, but you're you're a little steamed about this. And it's a little projected because there are some bullets flying, but it's not freaking out urgent. 
And how exactly are we supposed to stay safe behind this? Don't look up. So you're looking. So what, he, here's what here's what Kyle's doing. He's looking down at the script to get his line, and then he's looking up at me for approval with these sweet little <laughs> eyes that are like that are like. What, did I do that okay? Tell me I did, did it right, Mike. Stay in the goddamn okay. script and and picture bullets going by, explosions. You're in this. Your guys are next to you. Maybe you're tired from running to this location. And how exactly are we supposed to stay safe behind this? And how exactly are we supposed to stay safe behind this? And how exactly are we supposed to stay safe behind this? So you see how he, you lost your nerve at the end. Uh, yeah. The second one was great. So you got good stuff in there, but it's just a matter of believing. So my my note to you would be yes and the shit out of everything around you and stop, stop, stop thinking about I'm acting, I'm recording, I'm doing things. Stop. Put all that aside like your best moment in improv ever when the whole world just closed off and that audience just became like in a, you know, like underwater and they're gone. And everything's gone. And you're really in this moment. And you're really just like, you come out of it and you're like, what the fuck just happened? Same thing with the video game. Right. Yeah, you're getting hit with all kinds of direction and you got to go and you got to move fast. That's part one. Part two is use your imagination. Go into it. Do it. Take the direction you're given while you're still in this world. You sort of hear it as an echo. And you become a psych. This is how you become a sociopath. <laughs> He's an actor. That's why actors are fucking nuts. And then, and then, okay, I'm in it. All right. What the, how exactly are we supposed to say safe behind this? How exactly are we supposed to say safe behind this? How exactly are we supposed to say safe behind this? There you go. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm going to show off. Whatever. Fuck you. <laughs> um, so, believe. Believe in yourself and be in the moment. And that'll take you far. And so, I tell actors, start with images. Start with the acting tool of images. Just picture it. And usually, that's how I book Spider-Man. I just pictured doing it, and that was it. Yeah. That was it. That was literally it. Now you can start to add things. Oh, who am I talking to? What did they say to me the moment before? What do I need to accomplish? What do I want to do after this? Do I want to be here? How do I feel about this? Oh, do, are there any funny smells? Am I out of breath? Am I short? Am I fat? Am I tall? Am I strong? You know, you just brrr, go through all that stuff and answer it so goddamn fast if they don't give you the time or fill it in for you. And then you answer all those questions, and then you forget them, and you do it. Yeah. That's the secret. Cool. That's the secret sauce. Cool. And that... so when teachers are like, you always have to do this, you always have to do that, run. <laughs> there is no always this, always that. It's all bullshit. Do whatever the fuck feels real and nice and authentically connect to your fucking stuff, just like improv. The best the best actors you included I've, I've ran into for looping and this stuff come from improv. They don't come from voiceover typically. Sometimes they do, but not often. It's the on-camera and the improv people that like excel at what we do, for sure. And this is a new revelation I came up with that I'll leave you with. I believe there's going to be two camps of VO. There already, I believe there already is. So I believe there's what I call the fearful camp. I only do voiceover. I only do the YouTube video explainer reads. I only do educational content. I only do commercial, you know, like you just want to hide in your booth and read, right? And any training is basically maybe a voiceover class on Zoom or a voiceover class or whatever. That's it. That's camp fear. <laughs> then there's the actor's camp. They don't even call it voiceover. It's I'm acting. There's just no lens, you know. That I think is going to be the only place left for us to go 
because, and I didn't have this opinion six months ago, I think AI is going to wipe out the low-end voiceover, the fearful. I didn't think that. I thought there's no way. But the more auditions I get that are, here's our little explainer video. Here's our little, you know, radio ad, our marketing piece and all that. It's just to explain things. So you don't need emotion, you know, or the specs are so male, female, uh, you know, just as long as there's some gravitas, we don't care, da, 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 da. And then you hear the spots too sometimes that you've auditioned for. If there's a lack of care and it's just get it done, those people are all going to go to AI eventually because it's a lot easier and it's getting really good. So good luck getting your $300 reader video, whatever. But the rest of us, well, we're going to go over here where you need to be immersed into a world where you need to believe that these are aliens poking your anal hole and telling you you're pretty or, you know, a film or an improv show or all that. That's where AI cannot replicate authentic human connected emotion. And maybe the good ads and the good low budget stuff will see that and go, oh, I can actually evoke emotion out of somebody with the right actor and the right writing. I can actually do that. There's a big pool of talent. You know, I mean, think about an audiobook. <laughs> a good audiobook will have emotion and have that stuff, but there's a lot of not good audiobooks. So I don't know what to tell, I don't know what to tell particularly regional actors like Portland actors that just do voiceover. I'm like, don't do that. Take improv, take on camera, do, do everything that's fun and fulfills you artistically. So that's, that's where I see our industry going and it saddens me. Like I'm, I'm shocked that I have this opinion, but I had a friend open my eyes to some AI stuff and I was like, oh my, oh my. Yeah, it's not here yet. It's not here yet. But once you heard it, you were like, oh, yeah. it's close. There used to be there used to be on-camera acting just for commercials. Dumbest fucking thing I ever heard of. They don't know what they want. Mm -hmm. And somebody telling you that they know what they want seems like a money grab to me. And so and those have almost gone away. You know. So you know, scrap scrap the bullshit. Scrap the bullshit. Do what you love. Cool. I'm I'm a walking cliche. Do what you love and you'll never work a day in your life. <laughs> but you still got to pay fucking taxes and find your health insurance. Uh, so let's yeah. talk about getting me some substituting teaching work. Hey, <laughs> they are desperate. They will take anybody I off the street. I feel like I talked too much and like I didn't leave. I didn't accomplish. No. Are we still friends? I, am I no, I'm annoying, right? No, you are. This is exactly what I wanted. This is a podcast about you, not about me. It should be about both though well because i just feel like i monologued i was like oh that's what i wanted i ugh. set you up for it yeah apologies to listeners no Gross. well that's and i guess that's the last question that we ask is are we still friends and and i would say yes i'd uh, say we've been on trajectory becoming friends yeah because it was kind of teacher student relationship sort of not really colleague yeah. relationship right master and apprentice and then i reached out for web help and you yeah. reached out for that and got you an agent like doing stuff so it's it's coming along yeah 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 so now i'd say we're friends we're friends we're colleagues call yeah. it colleague friends colleague call friends. friends call a friends call a friends that's perfect that's what i want it to be friend league friend colleague friend league i don't know i don't know we'll be real friends if you come over and watch the kids 
So, yeah. If I don't burn myself out on kids watching all day. <laughs> I'm kidding. My wife would never let you watch a one show. Wouldn't happen. Thank you so much for doing this. Thanks. Thanks so much to our friend Mike for sitting down with me today. If you want to become better friends with Mike, find him on IMDb, check out his website, mikevon.com, or follow him on Instagram at the underscore Mike underscore Vaughn. You can also learn about his loop group, Reveloop, at reveloop.com. That's R-E-B-E-L-O-O-P.com. Are We Still Friends is produced and edited by me, Kyle Coleman. Music provided by our friend, Jack Martin. Visit arewestillfriends.com to find more interviews with your favorite or new friends.